What's up, everyone? Welcome to The Colin and Samir Show. On today's episode, this is a new format for us. Today, we're going to be answering questions from five different YouTube creators. We don't know the questions, and I actually didn't even know who the creators were before we filmed. And this episode is an extended cut of what's going to be uploaded to our YouTube channel, which that, that'll be uploaded this Wednesday. So you're getting an extended cut here as an audio exclusive. And we'd really love to hear your feedback on this format. Let us know on Reddit if you like this episode, this format, and if there's other creators you want to hear questions from. And in this episode, you're also going to be hearing voices from our team. You're going to hear from our editor, Chris, our producer, Marilyn, our shorts editor, Tyga, and our producer editor, Jesse. All right, before we start this episode, I also just wanted to thank everyone who subscribes to our YouTube channel. We crossed 900,000 subscribers, and I posted this on LinkedIn. I haven't said that in a while, but I, now I'm going to say it. <laughs> you haven't it, said it in a while because you've been gone. I've been gone. It took us three years from when we started our YouTube channel to cross 100,000 subscribers. And then it took us another two years to go from 100 to 200,000. And it's taken us one year to go from 200 to 900,000. That's really crazy. And it means a lot to us that you guys have supported us and helped us build this career. It's really exciting that we are in the home stretch to a million subscribers. I cannot wait to get that million subscriber plaque from YouTube. All right, let's get into this episode answering questions from creators. Our first question today comes from Jeff Wittick. Yo, Colin and Samir. What's going on, boys? I wanted to ask you guys. How do you remain friends for so long, you know? Business partners, friends, content partners, damn it! <laughs> My real question is how much money you guys making, huh? <laughs> Tell us the truth. How much you making? All right? Be honest. <laughs> oh, that was so good. Oh, wow. Oh my God. That we gotta was, get him back on the show. That was so good. So wait, which question? Do we answer both questions? To the best of our ability. Yeah, you got to do both. You have to do both both. questions. questions. All right. So the first one, how have we remained friends for the last 10 years? Answer, we're not friends. We're not actually friends. (laughs) (laughs) Which is weirdly actually the answer we give people. Yeah. We started out as, uh, you know, employees, like you were my boss when we first started. So our context is not that we were friends who went into a business. Our immediate context is we've always been working with each other. Right. It's always been about work. And we just so happen to have built a friendship out of work. Exactly. We've been through like the trenches together. I would say it feels similar to playing on a sports team with someone where you're like waking up early and working out and like it sucks and you have to go through these things that suck, but that creates a bond that's like, we're just in this together to solve these problems. And I always felt like you had my best interest in mind, not the business. Yeah. I remember like three months into us working together, I asked you... I asked your advice on me going to grad school, like leaving the situation that right. we were in where I was your employee to go to grad school. And you actually just helped me workshop it mm-hmm. with no agenda right. of keeping me there or not. I could right. tell you where your priorities were at that point. I think because we've worked together for 10 years, it's easier to remain close. Yeah. All right. Second question. How much money are we making? He said, tell, tell everybody the truth. Tell us the truth. How much you making? Okay, we're going to do that to the best of our ability. So first, we haven't this year shown how much we've made on YouTube. So that's a good place to start. So we've made $94,809 just from YouTube this year. That's pretty amazing. Which is the most we've ever made in a year. Yeah, yeah. So basically, we've been pretty consistently making like $15,000 a month. The first two months of the year, we made $17,000. This is by far the most amount of money we've ever made on YouTube. From Uh, AdSense specifically. From AdSense AdSense. specifically, yeah. yeah. 
for context, in our lifetime on YouTube, we made $228,000. So like, that's 94 has been made of that Not, in the last yeah. six months? 94,000 of 228,000, which is this percentage, has been made in the last six months. I think most people want to know how much money you make off of the platform, yeah, which is like a course. number we can't give. But I would say that it's like a surprising amount for me, I think. Yeah. But I didn't anticipate how much money we would also have to spend to make that much money. That's the interesting right? part. Yeah. We, so we have, there's 10 people who make money from the things we do. That to me is like the, the important context to have. So obviously $94,000 does not pay for reasonable amounts of money for 10 people to make. Uh, and included in those 10 people are you and I. Um, the thing that I think we can say is through brand sponsorships right now, our business is primarily what we make on AdSense is uh, less than 10%. Whoa, yeah. are you serious? Yeah, it's less than 10% of what the whole business makes. Um, but the whole business costs a lot of money yeah. because there's 10 people making money. From yeah, the business. and people taking percentages. Yeah, that is a surprising thing where it's like you make more money than you think you're going to make and you spend more money than you think you're going to spend. Yes, yeah. Can you um, get more specific about how much it costs to run the business? Yeah. Key costs, our new rent of our office is around $16,000 a month. So and it's an 18-month lease. That's $200,000 a year. And that doesn't include everything else that comes on top of rent. Right. When you, yeah, yeah. The biggest chunk is payroll. It's just salary, yeah. Salaries, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so outside of that, it's salaries. And then there's travel, like if we need to go do something. So like, yeah. the thing is, most YouTubers say this, but also most startups say this, you just reinvest the money. What does that mean? You spend it on team, office, trips, yeah, whatever you need, equipment, like whatever you need to keep growing the thing, you just spend it on. Widak, how much money are you making? Yeah. Are you, you, you asked us this question because we speculated about how much money you were making, huh? That's why, <laughs> from your Patreon thing. Good question. Is that helpful for everyone? Yeah. Should we do a quick explanation of why you can't talk about brand deals? Sure. Because I, I, I think that's a super really, that's Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really helpful. So we're not going to say how much specific brands pay us. And a lot of that is because there's a lot of nuance to those deals and brands are spending with a lot of different creators and those also have nuance to them. So us, you know, saying how much a brand pays us would cause a lot of potential, I guess, controversy or like, challenges in brands being able to talk to other creators or creator to creator. So that's and, why and most brands- And you sign NDAs. Yeah, and most brands put in the contract that you're not gonna talk about how much they're spending with you. Yeah. So you feel like the the culture of like brand partnerships not being disclosed is, is not a negative one? I don't think it's a negative okay. one. Okay. I think it would cause, it would be too challenging of an environment if everyone was saying how much they were making because it's not standardized. It's not like, oh, because he gets a million views a video, that's how much he's getting paid. It, there's too much nuance in like mm. your niche and your value to the brand and all that. Yeah, I don't think brands should have to say that. Right? Yeah. Like, I think brands should treat everyone fairly. Yeah. But I don't think they should be forced to openly say how much they pay everyone. Like, yeah, and they're our client and our customer and like we're gonna play by their rules. And if we this. don't like their rules, we don't work with them. Exactly. And every creator gets to make that decision. Every brand gets to decide if they don't want yeah. to work with a creator. I think teaching though, like teaching people how to sell and how to negotiate and how to get brand partnerships is what's really important. Yeah. And how to understand your worth Yeah, so that you can confidently say yes or no to something. All right. The next question comes from Michelle Correa. Oh. What's up, Colin and Samir? My question for you is as business owners and creators, 
what has been your biggest financial misstep and what did you learn from it? Mm. The best way we can learn is from each other's wins and from each other's mistakes. So I'm curious what that is for y'all. Biggest financial misstep. Personally, for me, when we left our Hiring company. Tyga. <laughs> oh, this is a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Boom, rusted, rusted. <laughs> First of all, thanks for the question, Michelle. Uh, Colin, biggest financial misstep. I have an answer. I think you have an answer. Yeah, for yeah. me, it was when we left our company where we had stable jobs and salaries, I didn't account for taxes yeah. at all. And even though we didn't make that much money, I was living a lifestyle that was you know, at a level where I actually did have a job, I had benefits, right. I had a pretty good salary. Yeah. And so that was a huge reality check. And I think that year I owed close to $15,000 to the IRS that I didn't have. And, right. that, and that was, re- and we didn't have, it's not like we had money in the company. We didn't have money in the bank either. To yeah. pay it. Yeah. So it was, it sucked. Yeah. So planning for taxes as yeah. a creative, a freelancer, a creator, that is yeah. super important. During the years where we were really like struggling and like kind of strapped for cash, that created a situation that when we did start to have money, I didn't know how to spend it and I was too scared to spend it. And I think that delayed a lot of our uh, ability to grow, like not getting a studio, not investing in help and editors, not investing in even trips like saying, hey, let's get on a plane and go film this because that'll help us grow. Yeah. I think the fear of spending was a financial misstep for sure. Um, that was like a huge financial misstep for probably a year. I was just like too scared to spend any of our money. And maybe the biggest mistake was having a lack of direction for too long. Yeah, that was probably the and biggest. We sp- I mean, just in terms yeah. of time, we spent so much time yeah. on things that didn't, it wasn't like we were building anything. Instead of building a house and then getting to live in it, it's like we were building a fence for the house next door. You know, <laughs> yeah, we were like, yeah, here yeah. you guys go, you're going to get a fence. And then like, we would like change the oil on the neighbor's car on the other side. Like yeah. we were just doing all these random things that weren't contributing to our overall. You know what? I also company. think um, this is all like about fear. I think like finances create a lot of fear. You know, like taxes is one thing that creates a lot of fear. Spending money creates a lot of fear. So I think we lived in like this scarcity mindset for a long time of yeah. like, we can't spend any money. We can't go do that trip. We can't. And then that just like hinders your growth. Um, I think we also spent too much time on small deals. And that's something that's really important. Like there was people who were willing to pay us $800 or $1,000 to make a video. And I think we spent too much time making those deals and then making those videos when something that you realize in being a creator or creative is that it takes the exact same amount of time to close a $10,000 or $20,000 deal that it does to close an $800 deal. So if you actually just invest your time in trying to find where the twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollar deal is, you might only close one, but it's much better than closing trying to close fifty eight hundred dollar deals, yeah. right? The context there though is that those deals were coming to us because we were a production company. Yeah, sure. So if you're in that type of scenario well, no matter, where no matter what, yeah. even if you're a creator looking for an advertiser, yeah. Look for who's gonna pay you the big deal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And but at no that time, like for our channel specifically, when we're getting $800 deals on our channel, yeah. we're not getting a 20 or 30 or $40,000 deal at the same time. Now, maybe there was something across X amount of videos or, or to make a custom maybe, piece. Yeah. There, we just didn't look for it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like, put your focus into where those deals are rather than you know, the consistent $800 deal. Yeah. 
So what's the solution to like, if you are a creator, mm. how should, should you pay your taxes like every quarter or oh, like, how do you calculate it? What do you do to solve that problem? Yeah, practical oh. step. Okay, taxes. Here's like the practical step. First and foremost, every dollar you get in, if you're a freelancer or creator, not on salary, 50% of it, put it away. <laughs> put it somewhere else. 50%. Don't even pretend that you have access to 50% of it. Just like put it in the savings account. So if you get $200, a hundred goes into the savings account. That's not your money. Um, that would be my number one piece of advice. The second is read up on taxes, look at TurboTax, find a tax accountant, like find someone to help. The first thing we ever really spent money on as What's a business an was an accountant. Yeah. So that's how that problem got solved. Yeah, before we even really were making money, we we totally. hired an accountant just to be it like- It was almost like embarrassing how little money yeah. they were helping us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, and because the money kept going down too. Right. So they were, yeah. it, it's like they can see everything. It's terrible. I think yeah. as a freelancer, like just making sure you're saving receipts and everything too yeah. is so yeah. important. Like That's track your expenses. Yeah. yeah, That's a good one too. It's a great practical piece of advice. Save your receipts because- when you're creative freelancer, so much is a write-off. Yeah, and calculate your burn. How much money does it actually cost you to live? Mm. Sometimes I didn't even know that. Yeah, like I had no idea in 2016 yeah. how much money it cost me to live until I didn't have the money to pay for that lifestyle. That, that's a great practical step. Mm -hmm. Wow, I think we just broke down a couple of good ones. Yeah, let's recap those. One, the dollars you make, 50% of it, put it away. Two, calculate your expenses, keep your receipts and figure out how to write those things off. Three, calculate your burn. How much money do you spend a month? How much money do you spend on rent, on going out to dinner? Create an average of this is how much money. Four, get an accountant. Five, invest in Doge. Kidding, that was a huge financial misstep on my side. <laughs> 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 Meme stocks and me were the worst pairing. Yeah. Wait, didn't sense. Michelle also ask about your wins? Your financial wins? I think investing in this studio was a huge financial win for us. And investing in Tyga. <laughs> well, no, no, not, not, not Tyga. Definitely yeah. not Tyga. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, but I, I think investing in the studio as a first investment, which was scary. Just want to say, Tyga's responsible for like <laughs> yeah, most of our growth. <laughs> most of our growth. Yeah, yeah, Tyga's like, gotten us like 700,000 uh, subscribers. 700,000 subscribers. <laughs> okay, there's, there's two big ones. The first one was this studio, which we signed the lease for this studio during the pandemic. And it was a scary time to invest in anything, but we knew we needed a space to create and renting this space just to have the context that we had a space to create, develop this show that you're watching right now. This show did not exist when we rented the studio, yeah. but the investment into renting the studio is what unlocked that for us. And, you know, all in all, that was like a, you know, with the, with the amount of lease that we signed, like $50,000 investment over the span of, you know, two years. It was scary because we were like, we don't know where the money's going to come from. Yeah. But if we get the studio, we think we can make the money. I would say too, one of the biggest wins was investing in relationships, even if we didn't know if they were going to pan out financially. Mm. You look back at, you know, we went to multiple Samsung events. Yeah, we made videos about going to those events. We declared that we wanted to work with yeah, yeah, yeah. Samsung on our channel and it actually came to fruition. And mm -hmm. that turned into a deal that allowed us to do what we're doing now. Also our trip to North Carolina to shoot with Jimmy. That was like, mm. um, whoa, that was a huge financial. That's win a major for us. one. Yeah, yeah, that's a major one. I think like that trip as a whole cost us a couple thousand bucks, maybe all said and done close to eight. And that was one of the biggest wins for us ever. And that, that's part of what I was saying is like, I had a lot of fear in investing in stuff like that in yeah. the past, but now I look at it and I'm like, 
you have to really understand as a creator how to spend money, what to spend money on, what are you investing in? I can do the calculation in my head of like, if we do this, it can net out making us more money. All right. Next question is from Eric. What's up, guys? It's Eric. Colin and Samir, a question for you guys. Um, given that you guys have been in the brand world and mm. doing that for like the last decade, is there anything that you would suggest or any advice you would give to a creator like myself um, and for all the people out there when we are headed into a potential tough financial situation uh, or a, a potential recession? Oh, he said it. Anything that you guys would do to prepare for that kind of economy uh, in brand world and in, in creator world? Love you guys. Mustache Eric is a totally different person. Yeah. That looks like an alter ego to me. It's like Super Mario. <laughs> yeah, that's like a total alter ego. Uh, I don't even know who that guy is, you know? Maybe we just keep roasting him and yeah. then move on. <laughs> okay, so this has been like something that I feel like is discussed a lot right now in our industry. And I, I fear that talking about it too much like perpetuates it, yeah. this concept of recession. I think no matter what, in America, there's like something happening in the economy that's, that's signaling a downturn. Um, and in our world, I think what's really important as a creator is to recognize you are in the business of advertising. Why do people advertise? They advertise so that consumers buy their products, right? Or use their products and services. And in a world where people are maybe more timid with spending, advertising isn't as effective because people don't want to spend. So that's the first thing to just recognize and understand. It doesn't mean that everyone's going to take, you know, some massive hit, um, but you should be aware of that. And like any good business, you should look at your cash flow and think about how you're investing and spending and make sure you have some level of savings or runway to keep operating your business in the event that things change. But I do think 2020 and 2021 were really unique years for advertising. That's something I do believe. Yeah, I mean, the pandemic was a once in a lifetime thing, we hope, right? And, and yeah. because of that, there were there was so much attention on strictly social media digital mm -hmm. content because you couldn't produce television you couldn't have events yeah. so there was this influx of advertising and i feel like now we're coming out of it and it's almost like a slingshot right like the pandemic was like pulling it sure. back one way it's probably potentially going to go you know release and go the other mm -hmm. way and for us i think we've gone through little waves of being really afraid and sort of talking ourselves into being afraid Right. Even with like, we're renting this new office space and it's going to be sure, really expensive. Sure. And we yeah. keep saying, you yeah. know, someone said to you, yeah. could you get out of the lease? Yeah. And we're like, gosh, crap. But I think, you know, what it's actually doing for you and I is making us think about our overhead more hmm. and diversify our business because yes. we are heavily advertising based and we always have been. Yeah. So, you know, what have we done in the past that's not advertising based? Yeah. I think for me, I've kind of reduced a lot of my fears around this. I think the more people started talking about it, the more I was like, let me just take a step back and think about what are the actionable things we can do. One, like you mentioned, we just need to look at our overhead, how much money is going out of the business on a monthly basis and make sure we're in a position to handle that. Given that, that there might be changes in the money that's coming into the business. So that's number one is like, look at how much money is going out of the business. Uh, and number two, I think you're right, is that for creators specifically, I think it's turning your attention to your audience and saying, okay, if a brand potentially no longer um, can or is willing to, you know, sponsor my content to get access to my audience, my audience is still finding what I'm doing valuable. What is valuable to them? Because if you look across, you know, a hundred thousand people, 10,000 people, however many people are dedicated in your audience, 
they're still probably driving value from what you're doing. So is it Patreon? Is it, you know, turning to your audience? And like you mentioned, merch, is it courses? Is it, you know, what is it that you can turn to your audience for and maybe getting a head start and starting to develop those things and explore those things. That's what we're doing. Take that mustache, Eric. Yeah. I have yeah, a question. Any, any, any follow-ups? So a lot of times people recommend like as individuals, you have an emergency fund of like three months of expenses saved when you're going into recession. What is it? Like, what's the guideline for a YouTube channel? How much money you should have saved up as a media company or channel, I think heavily depends on how many team members and how much overhead you have. So overhead is defined by the fixed costs that you have on a monthly basis that are going out the door. So for us, that's rent of the studio, there's you know insurance, there's software, there's professional fees like legal expenses, uh, then there's our team members, right? So we have quite a bit of overhead that's connected to our YouTube channel. So I think in our situation, I personally have prepared us for six months of overhead if there's some world where everything gets pulled, mm -hmm. right? So that we have four to six months to solve what's next for us. Now, in a world where you're a YouTube creator and it's just you and a freelance editor or something, like you don't really have to prepare that much. You yeah. can actually just take a step back and be like, I'm nimble enough that if I need to change everything, I can just change everything. And I think that's really important for creators to think about. Which one do you, do you want? Yeah, you bringing up having three to four months to prepare is something that doesn't really scare me because we've been there so many times. Yeah. I don't want to go back there, but we yeah. like spent so much time throughout you know, our experience working together where it was, okay, we have a month and a half. Okay, we have three months. Sure. And we've, we've for the most part, figured it out <laughs> every time. We've gone down to the wire before you know, like fourth quarter, you need a buzzer beater to actually keep going and go into overtime. And yeah. we've hit that buzzer. I mean, beater. you've put a loan into the company from That's your personal true. savings. That's true. Which, you know, that was overtime. That was, <laughs> right? that was double overtime. Yeah. yeah that, that was, was double like overtime. 2019. Yeah. You've stopped taking paychecks. I'm the only one taking paychecks. Right. And even then the bank account's running out and we're out of money. That's true. Yeah. I guess that's why the experience of all of that doesn't now no longer like scares me because we've been through so many ups and downs yeah. like this. So I would just urge most, uh, like all creators, be prepared, but don't be scared. Because playing scared is whenever you like make weird decisions. Yeah. And that might be, you know, you might look at your situation and be like, do I still need this studio? You know, maybe not. Or do I have too many team members? I mean, Ryan Trahan said, uh, <laughs> Ryan Trahan said to us, he had six team members. Who's supposed to go? <laughs> Ryan Trahan went from six team members to two and now look at his content, right? He's like nimble enough to evolve and do projects and yeah, do look, That's things. not us though. That's not us. We don't want to be nimble, that's right? <laughs> never, never nimble. <laughs> it's bulky or bust. Yeah. <laughs> it's, everyone or, it's, every, it's everyone or nothing. <laughs> I do wonder if, in an, in like a economic downturn or recession, similar to the pandemic where more traditional entertainment isn't created potentially, you know, like what's happening with Netflix is really interesting to me, but they're losing subscribers. And I wonder if more focus gets put on YouTube content, easier to produce, less expensive to produce, you know, like what Ryan Tran did with his penny series competes at the level of a hit TV show, but costs way less money to create. So I just wonder if in that situation, people turn their, their eyes to YouTube, which is free to watch for the creators is cheaper to produce and for advertisers it's cheaper to buy ads there too. So like, do we, does the creator economy actually just over our, like overwhelm 
benefit from it. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe people have more time on their hands during the recession. They're watching more the yeah. same way that they were during the pandemic. Or the Great Depression. Dark. <laughs> all right. Well, okay. All right. <laughs> thanks for that one, Eric. Um, I hope Eric still has his mustache. Me too. Yeah. I'll I, always think of him as mustache. Mustache Eric. Yeah. yeah. There's no other Eric. Our third question comes from MKBHD. So the depth of a star in the universe depends on what type of wait, star. Wait, wait, wait. I'm already lost. Start that one over. <laughs> so, so the depth of a star in the universe depends on what type of star it is and its mass. I know where he's going with this. You already know where he's going. I already with this? know where he's going. He just said the death of a star. He's going to oh, ask big about. Man knows where it's going. Yeah, okay. He's going to ask about. Give, an, give us an answer. He's going to ask about why creators die. Like why did, not die, but why did creators burn out? Right, why don't you just watch the well, rest of the My bad, okay. guys, but I just want to predict. So they can explode into a supernova or collapse into a black hole. But the most common way that a star dies is uh, just an average sized star will just burn out into a white dwarf and just chill for like 100 billion years. Anyway, from all the things that we've seen from YouTube stars, from getting canceled to burnout to graduating to TV, what do you believe to be the most common death of a star in the YouTube universe? So it just <laughs> happens to be that you were right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's the first line of his thing. Was okay. So about the death of a star. I think it's running into a wall of purpose, right? Like mm -hmm. we, a lot of creators start because they want to creatively express themselves. Yeah. Then it turns into a business and you don't feel like you're expressing yourself. You're not getting that same feeling like when you first started and you often want to try something new because you don't feel like the expectation that you had for yourself of the type of life you'd be living and uh, your purpose is being met anymore. So you change course. Yeah, I think it's a natural, like the main reason why creators burn out is because we're human. Doing one thing repeatedly over and over for a long period of time, there's some people who can do that but a lot of people who struggle with that. And I think there is so much pressure when it comes to YouTube that we don't understand yet. Like this is so brand new. We do not understand the psychological impact of create creativity in an endless environment, like just in this expansive environment that doesn't end. Not only are we putting out stuff with no end in sight of when does this show end, when does this channel end? Are there seasons? Do we take a break? We don't know. Um, but the audience doesn't know either. And there's no real roadmaps for this outside of what we're doing right now. I think also when a creator gets to year five, six, and seven, if they start to fall on hard times, like viewership goes down for some reason, which we've seen yeah, happen to a yeah, lot yeah, of creators yeah. who have large subscriber bases. When you get to that point in your career, there are going to be a lot of things that you may not be willing to do again that you went yeah. through in the beginning, right? Like the way that you and I lived where we had runway of a month or two months, uh, the way that we operated and how stressful it was and how much time we had to put in, who knows if we'd be willing to do that again in, in a couple of years if it happened to us. Yeah, there's almost this uh, Matt Koval who used to work at YouTube made a video about the life cycle of a creator being five to seven years, yeah. which actually follows the same life cycle of an NFL player or like a professional athlete. A lot of professional athletes are four to six, five to seven years. Um, and I think that's pretty similar because of how taxing this career is on your mind and on your body. So- I think the most common reason is probably what you said, purpose, but also like the natural 
human evolution of not wanting to do the same thing for an extended period of time. Any thoughts on that? What would you say are the, the tension points that you feel most? You know, you, you sort of described a lot of different ways that people yeah. can feel this. What is it for you two specifically? I think that success and fear track at the same time. And I think that's a really confusing thing, um, especially early, like when your success happens and you've been waiting for it to happen. So for specifically for us, it's taken us 10 years to get to this point where we can really build a company and a career around uploading to YouTube. And as the success has come, the fear follows because you build something that you don't want to lose. You're so afraid of losing it. And you've built expenses as you're becoming more successful. You hire a team, you get you know an office, uh, and you build a lifestyle around a certain amount of money. And that forces you to keep up whatever you have, to hold on to whatever you have as long as you can. And once that slips a little bit, everything kind of is different. And so that means like you as a maker of this content, what's good for business and what's good for you know creativity sometimes aren't aligned. I think the toughest thing for me is my imagination. Like as mm. much as I love what we're doing, I can imagine so many other lives that yeah. seem very compelling and interesting. And also Instagram shows me a lot of lives that look very compelling and interesting. And for how- Barista how, Colin is in your mind somewhere. Barista Colin. Sandwich uh, shop Colin. Tattoo uh, artist Colin. Tattoo, <laughs> well, that's a little too aggressive. I don't think I'd even tell Tattooed like, Colin. <laughs> National Park Ranger Colin. No, that I mean, is not we, real. We have had several conversations you, about Park Ranger You could Colin. not be a National Park Ranger. How do you know that? I know that for a fact. I've known you long enough to know you can't be a National Park Ranger. I, and I, I, I'm. And someone, now I just want to be a National yeah, Park yeah. Ranger. I'm just someone, to prove him wrong. I'm someone who typically encourages people to do anything they want in life. That one thing, <laughs> I can't imagine you doing. I thought you supported me no matter what. Yeah, geez. <laughs> Do you feel that though at all or no? Imagination? Like the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I think I always know that there's an easier way to make money than what we're doing. But I also know that I don't think I'd be fulfilled. Like I have to do something where I feel like I've pulled it out of the ground. Like it didn't exist and I created it. I, I lean back on that too. That yeah. I think even if I would like to be a park ranger. And I'm yeah, just yeah. going to take but, that a step but, back. Let's just say I want to spend more time in nature. I want to be in a different environment exactly. than LA. That's actually what that means, that there's a way to do it through what we're doing yeah. right now. And it may just take some time. That's a really important note that I think you have to think about where your imagination takes you and then backtrack into what it actually is. Yeah. Like, do you want to be a park ranger because you deeply care about national parks? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. And if that's where, that's what you write down, sure. But if it's because I want to spend more time in nature, then you have mm. to now solve like, okay, what we're doing requires us to sit in this room for long extended periods of time. So you're not getting enough of, you're not fulfilled in that way. I think the actual problem though is it stems from internet fatigue. Yeah, for sure. I feeling like I spend too much time in the internet and things that don't affect my day-to-day -day life. Mm that I'm like thinking about these things and I care so much about them. Mm. But then when I get home at the end of the day, I'm like, what? Like, that has nothing to do with yeah. like how I live my life, my family and those types of things. There's another thing that a, a creator told me, Matt from Yes Theory said this to me. He said, if you take an hour to write down what's enough for you, you'll save years of your life. Mm. And I thought it was such an important piece of advice for every creator because yeah. you don't mm. know, right? You don't know. Sometimes you think, I want to I want to get as many subscribers as I can. I want to make as much money as I can. That is a recipe for burnout. Yeah. You know, like what 
when are you, what, what types of things are you honestly happy with? Because otherwise you're just like yeah. in this abyss where no one knows what the top is. No one knows where this expands to. No one knows how big the universe is, Marquez. So, you know, like we don't know how big this all is. Yeah, it I could be as big as you want it to be. We don't know, Marquez. We don't know, Marquez. <laughs> so in the financial section, you sort of gave some specific yeah, yeah. advice. Do you have any specific action items that people can try to integrate or that you integrate into your life to prevent burnout? So the, the, the first action item I would tell any creator is evaluate your pace. Um, look at how much content you're putting out, how often you're putting it out, and recognize you know, that if you want to do this for a really long period of time, if that is your goal, that's something you also have to know. But if that is your goal, then look at your pace. Because I think when I was younger, I used to think productivity meant that if my day was a pie chart, 100% of that day was spent on work. And what I've learned into my 30s that productivity, uh, for me to be my most productive self, that pie chart is split up into like, Working out, hanging out with friends, hanging out with my family, traveling, posting on LinkedIn, posting on LinkedIn. <laughs> Mostly, that's the biggest one. Yeah, I mean, the, Most of the amount of time yeah. that's taking these days. Yeah, I would say a tangible action item, though, that we've even instilled to reduce pace is publish less videos. And the reason I think we could even do that uh, is because we decided to not book four advertisers in a month. Yeah. So we went from four to two. Right. And the reality is we experienced a lot of growth. So our ad rates went up. Yeah. So you can afford in that instance to drop down one month. You can. Right? And say like, I'm going to yeah. post, maybe I'm going to post less videos and start to reset and understand what pace I want to uphold. It, it is a mental challenge though, because for a creator who's making good money, like not posting a video is the difference between you know, 30, 40, $50,000 and experiencing and, less growth. Yeah. And yeah. not, not growing as much. So like, that's a huge decision, but I think you have to get to a point where you're saying, if I want to do this for a long period of time, that's okay. Well, playing, playing devil's advocate too. It's uh, what if they can't afford to take two videos off? What if they, they need to post four videos just monetarily to support themselves? Then I would say if posting four videos is out of your comfort level, then you're probably in the wrong space right now. Like it might be more beneficial to go do something else for work and continue posting once a month until you get to a point where yeah. the once a month can pay for your, your whole thing. I mean, we've been in those situations yeah. where you have to post mm -hmm. because that's how we're making our money that month. It's like, you know what? We have, yeah, we have four videos to make this yeah. month. And you guys have been with us during yeah, those yeah. months. So like, they're just put your head down and there's tough months. Make but, yeah. yeah. And if you can't sustain that, I agree. Like, you're maybe at a point where you have jumped too early and you need mm -hmm. to have another source of income. There's one thing that I heard on a podcast. It was Kristen Wiig was on Smartless. Yeah. And you and I talked about this. She said that when she got off of SNL, the first, she was like, I don't remember exactly what the quote no. is, but she said, when I got off of S SNL, I made a dentist appointment. I could finally make a dentist appointment. And it was such an interesting thing for her to say because I connected with it so deeply that when you're producing a weekly show or weekly content or regular content, your mental space is at capacity that I've known for this entire year. 
I need to book a dentist appointment and I haven't done it. I booked one because of that. Because of that episode? Yeah. 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 I'm very nervous about that appointment. It's been so long. Yeah, that's a mess. The, the judgment of a dentist is a disaster. Hey, they're doing their no, job. They're and now I'm no, they're not. They know. They're doing yeah, their they're, best. No, no, now no, I'm no, trying to, I, you know, this, my dentist appointment is in August because it's like she's very booked. Yeah, yeah. And now yeah. I'm planning We've out. I've always had this popular dentist. I've had a very, I have a very yeah, popular a very dentist. Popular dentist. Yeah, <laughs> like a dentist to the stars <laughs> in Beverly Hills. I don't know how I ended up at this dentist, but she's been my dentist for years. Are you like on a floss routine now to prepare? Like you yeah, I'm on a ready? little bit of a floss routine and more so of a mental game of how do I approach her when I walk in the room to make, to make sure that she knows sure. I know there's a mess in here. Are you, is it like, are you smiling first or close, like close mouth smile? What? No, I think it's more like you walk in with your tail between your legs and you're like, look, this, I just, I'm sorry. Like just apologies. Like, right this, off like the bat. you might need yeah. to yeah. cancel the appointment after me sure. and <laughs> don't sugarcoat anything. I can, I'll handle it the best I can and try not to cry. <laughs> Wait, can I ask a Good follow luck. up question to that also? Just yeah. thinking about like calling your um, park ranger desires as entrepreneurs do you ever think about like other businesses you want to start or other youtube businesses or youtube centered businesses you want to mm -hmm. start but have to kind of like focus that attention here instead all the time how do you like deal with it uh the way you deal with that is just going through nine years of something not working because you're trying too many things and mm -hmm. then learning the value of focus and recognizing that like in this exact moment, this is what we're doing. And this being successful in this, um, you know, will unlock other doors, but mm -hmm. also recognizing that those ideas are so have been so fleeting in the past where like you get really excited about something and then a, a week later you're not as excited. And like, if something sits with you for a really long period of time and naturally flows into your, your life, I think that's when you take the opportunity. You know? I think both of us realize that being successful at something that doesn't exist is extremely rare. And that's like what entrepreneurs yeah. do is they try and make things that don't exist. And we spent so many years trying to build things that have never been done before. Right. People have made YouTube channels before people have made podcasts as YouTube channels before, but no one's done exactly what we're doing right now. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it's working is like, is exhilarating because yeah. it's this continuation of this journey of new experiences of, of getting to do new and different things. I think that, that self-awareness is number one, like you mentioned, having a deep sense of purpose and continuing to check back in with yourself and not building a business where you don't even have the time to self-evaluate. So like that's super important. And the second thing is the um, acceptance of the fact that the career is cyclical, up and down, different. You know, you're going to evolve. You're going to have different interests. The audience is going to have different interests. The platform is going to be different. Everything's going to be constantly different. So you're going to have to adapt to that. All right. And our final question of the episode comes from Ludwig. Hello, Colin. Oh, oh, Ludwig. Wedding, so excuse the fancy attire. Ludwig's in a turtleneck at a wedding. Yeah, which doesn't surprise me. Yeah, actually, that's like how I imagine him. Always. <laughs> Always. Question for you guys. I feel like all creators make things that, well, they should make to get views by studying algorithms and people who are successful. But what would you make if none of that matter? Like passion project, like mm. soul project, like if you die, what people remember you for project. Blood. The dwig. The dwig. <laughs> that was that, you know, it's better because he's in a turtleneck. Yeah, it's lake. much better. Yeah. Yeah. Asking life questions. That's so good. Wow. Yeah, I think in our conversation with Tommy in it, he mentioned that YouTube is like a video game. 
Like there's a way to win, right? There's a way to like win it and, and play it in a certain way, which is really interesting. Um, and it's been so long since I think we've had creativity in a world without that consideration. Yeah, without the constraints of will, will it do well on YouTube? Yeah, yeah, will it work? Will it work is such an interesting um, question. And it's, it's a lot of what we talk about when we explore the idea of being an artist versus a distributor. When you're a distributor, your first thought is, is this going to work? Is the audience going to like it? When you're an artist, your first thought is, what do I want to make? What do like, I want to say? Yeah, what do I want to say? Um, or explore. Or explore, or express. Like, it's not as considerate of the audience. It's more like, I'm going to make this thing and it's up for you to interpret. YouTube is, is kind of swung all the way on the other side, uh, especially when it's your career and it has to work. It's a good question. What would we make? What would you make if there was no, you know, YouTube? You would be a forest ranger. We already yeah, talked about true. this. that's true. You'd be a park ranger. <laughs> make so a documentary about park rangers. Yeah, about mm -hmm. birds. I would say if I could have been the one who made Defiant Ones mm. or a documentary like that. Yeah. I just think it's so well told. Yeah. And it's such an interesting story. Like if I could leave people with one type of experience or story, it would just be an interesting story that stylistically is told really well. That's cool. I think I would, if I had just time, I would just tell the story of my family um, through and this is a very long-term project, but I would tell the story of, you know, my dad and mom coming from India to the U.S., mm. the story of myself and my brother being born, and then ideally the story of my kids and yeah. wherever they go. And it's essentially a story of three generations. Um, and I think that would be so interesting. I, I think looking back at my personal life, which I guess is what YouTube is, it's like telling stories about your personal lives. I just haven't, I, I don't like the pressure of having to tell a story about myself and make it work on YouTube. Like whenever we vlogged, it was very weirdly pressurized that you had to tell a story about yourself, but you also, it was valued by the viewership and you were like, oh, yeah. I guess that story wasn't interesting about <laughs> yeah, myself. Yeah. So that sucks. <laughs> that you sucks, know, yeah. I just, I want the space to tell the story of, you know, I'm so fascinated by the story of my dad and, and my mom and like the challenges of moving to America. And then the, I, I want to tell more stories about my experience growing up with yeah. non-American parents in America, um, like a first generation immigrant kid. And then I'm so curious what my kids are going to be like, like yeah. they're going to have the experience where their dad grew up in America. And like, I don't know, that's like, yeah. that is so confusing to I me. Think hearing about your experience has made me think a lot about my experience and yeah. how I actually don't even really know like what the makeup of me really is, mm. you know, like I know like my grandpa was born in Scotland, yeah. but he was there for a week and then he moved to the U S my, mm. one of my grandmothers is Swedish and German, right. A few other things. And then my other grandparents are all uh, an entire mix of Eastern European. And as I get older, I've been thinking like, what are my, what does it mean to be part of my family? Like, right. What are my traditions? You know, and I've started to write down like sayings that my mom says or my dad, yeah. things that we would eat or things mm -hmm. my grandma would make. Cause I'm just trying to like latch on to what does it mean to be mm -hmm. me? I th right? like, I and, think, and for, and for my eventual kids, what will it right. mean to be them? Right, like, right. What am I passing down? What? It's it's really like, I think you and I have always been interested in observing the human experience through yeah. our own personal lens, <laughs> yeah. which is like super fun to, to make films about, but it's really challenging to make those work. 
you know, you have to like spend long periods of time to figure out how those could be packaged in a title and thumbnail that someone wants to watch on yeah. YouTube. That's hard. Uh, so I think if, you know, if it's not what we, you know, need to be making when it comes to the business, which we are, you know, passionate about making, if there was a vacuum of like, you know, don't worry about anything. I find myself wanting to just, you know, kind of go turn the camera and be like, what is my life experience like? Like what is life through my lens? Um, I think it's in this world where we're going to pair our interest and excitement for documentary with what works on YouTube. You know, the story of Carl, I think is a great example of something that we got really excited about that was super yeah. fun to make and tell the story of someone, uh, not to like foreshadow, but I'm foreshadowing. That was really fun. That was great. Yeah. Great questions. I think from Ludwig, like that question is a really important question for all creators to ask themselves. And I think it's, it's not necessarily suggestive of what you're doing for your business. You need to find a way to only do your passion. Like you also have to acknowledge you're running a business. So I think it's just an important one to ask because if you can find where those two match, it's really fun. But sometimes you don't even want the financial pressure of doing that passion project. Yeah. You don't want that. You just want to go make that thing and not have any pressure around it. That's like, that's the dream creatively. Yeah, I think for all creators, what they do on their channels, on their platforms is only a part of them. It yes. will never be all of them. No. It's not even possible, right? No, so it's not possible. It's yeah. important to have that understanding. That like this, this is a part of you yeah. that has become commercial. Yeah, and it's right. separate. It's separate. Like it's a format that you make, you know? And yes, you are, you created it. It's you, it's like your creativity, but it's a thing that you've made and potentially that has been commodified that's like sells to advertisers that makes money on YouTube that pays for your bills. Like that relationship creatively is totally different than, Hey, what do I want to make in a vacuum? Yeah. Those are totally different things. All right. That's it for this episode. Thank you to everyone for listening. Again, we are so close to hitting 1 million subscribers. So if you've not subscribed to our channel on YouTube yet, you would be one of the rare mm -hmm. podcast listeners who has not done that. But go ahead, subscribe, help us get to a million. And let us know what you thought about this episode. How did you like the questions from creators? How did you like the format? Who are some other creators that you would want to hear ask us questions? Let us know that. And if you have a question for us, you can ask us that question on Reddit. We're checking our Reddit really regularly. And maybe one day we'll have a million people in our Reddit. Right now, it's a thousand, which is still crazy to me. I can't believe there's a thousand people in our Reddit. Shout out to the Reddit. All right, we'll see you on Thursday for creator support. Right.